Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be drift-boosting into the past and talking about Mario Kart 64 for the Nintendo 64. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. We're lined up in the grid, like who's dropped the lights, and away we go! Let's go! Yahoo! Really, cat? Meow! Meow! So we're on to episode 19, but if you were checking social media, you might have also heard us on episode 186 <laughs> of Skyrim Addict. It's very humbling. Yes. Our friend Michael, he's part of our good friends over at the Will Run For podcast, also has a whole network of gaming podcasts. The first being a Skyrim addict, and he was nice enough to invite us on, and that was a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, we talked Skyrim and a bunch of other games as well, mostly because Chris and I aren't as into Skyrim as they are, (laughs) but that's hard to do when you have a podcast you're on episode 186 of. Yeah. But no, it was a lot of fun. Check them out. They're actually a lot of fun to listen to, so you can listen to our episode, but you can also listen to all their other episodes, and it's a lot of fun. They do have a good time talking about all the crazy mods and, and a lot of stuff that has gone into that. I mean, the fact that the game is still sort of fresh in that player base's mind after, you know, almost a decade of being out is, is fairly impressive, which is, you know, nice if you're trying to run a podcast for it because he's managed to maintain it for so long with, with so many different people and friends and stuff like that. Yeah, he jokes that he's gone from being a modern gaming podcast to a retro gaming podcast because yeah. of how old the game is. <laughs> so he's right in our genre, apparently. So go check that out, a Skyrim addict. On all your favorite podcasting platforms. In other gaming news, Mario 35 is kind of the topic of conversation lately. This episode will coming out a little bit after everything went down. But they supposedly were turning off the servers as of April 1st, which sucks because it's a lot of fun to play that game. But some people, including this household, have managed to keep it on for a bit. So it's kind of entertaining to watch how people are freaking out about it. How, how does that work? Did you like... We had it open and just never closed it. And apparently people who had it open and never closed it kept got to keep playing. Interesting. Because... Nintendo loves to do that. It's it's like what Disney used to do with the vaults, the movie vaults, where they love making things rare through their own means, like the Nintendo and Super Nintendo minis. Like they had an incredibly limited run yeah. of those to try to make them scarce. I mean, even look at their their Wii and Wii U. Well, not their Wii U because they had way too many of those, but like the the initial Wii production, they were so slow on that. Yeah. Because they wanted to drive up demand. Yeah. 
So it'll be interesting to see how long it lasts, whether it is yeah. going to be brought back by high demand because people really didn't want to see it leave. And so the fact that some people still have access, I think, is proving that people really still want to play. We'll see how long that lasts. Zero chance. There's no <laughs> way they're going to keep the servers and that stuff up. And uh, Yeah. That's just their MO. I mean, they're pulling the Mario... The Mario All-Stars? Yeah. Like, they're pulling that off. You can't yeah. buy it anymore. So there was even rumors that if you had bought it but hadn't finished download or you hadn't downloaded yet, you might not be able to even download it from the store. So we emergency made sure ours was downloaded before <laughs> we let it go because we wanted to make sure we had a copy of it. Um, but that's Nintendo and their exclusivity. It's kind of what they do. Yeah. That's why they're really obnoxious about bringing old stuff to the virtual console. And really limiting this content can be really frustrating to a lot of the fans. But that's a perfect segue into Trope of the Day. Trope of the Day! So this episode's Trope of the Day is the anti-frustration features that come out in games. So that is kind of the opposite of the fake difficulty or artificial difficulty that you see through cheap programming or bad programming this is programming that was deliberately put into the game to make things not necessarily easier but to tweak things here and there so the the player does not lose their mind and break their controller so a really good example of this would be in a lot of the super mario games especially the later games where they give you either the star or the white tanuki suit after you die a bunch of times to just kind of make sure you get through a level like kind of out of pity i know in the game battle bugs if you remember if you lost a level like three times in a row it would actually just let you skip to the next level so that was kind of nice so you wouldn't get bogged down and yeah you could just keep going snap aiming in first person shooters is a pretty good example of an anti-frustration feature. So, like, if you go into the uh, iron sight aiming, if you're anywhere near uh, an enemy's head, it'll kind of zoom to that. Yeah, another interesting example with a a first-person shooter is Halo 2, actually. Halo 2 and Onward, I should say, started doing this where you could get stuck in death loops if you're bad. So you you would just keep dying over and over. And if it noticed that that was happening... It would knock you back two checkpoints instead of your last checkpoint to basically give you more ramp up room before whatever situation you got yourself into, which I think is really clever. I had forgotten that that happened. Yeah. They're like, okay, you clearly don't have enough life or ammo or something and you keep dying. You need to try from further back. (laughs) Because you would you would get stuck in those auto saves where you would be like about to fall off a cliff or it auto-saved when you had like a sticky grenade on you or something like that. Yeah, and that's exactly how frustrating it is. And so they're trying to make sure that players don't give up because of things like that. This is trying to encourage the players to keep playing. On the opposite end of, as our previous trope of fake difficulty, trying to keep the players still playing by being overly too difficult for no reason. This is the other way of saying, we want you to keep playing because you're enjoying it and having fun and not getting too angry that you want to stop playing. And it's a nice thing because it shows that the developers, like, did some extra work. Like, it shows that they went through uh, a bunch of playtesting and went, oh, shoot, this isn't going to work. How can we kind of fix this a little bit, almost? Exactly. 
And uh, producer Kyle, cover your ears real quick because there's a huge anti-frustration feature. He's going in, to go in, in two seconds 2. to go get us food. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. God. Producer Kyle's out of the room. We could talk about the the huge spoiler for Portal Two that is an anti frustration feature at the end where you okay, need to. Me too. Well, cover your ears. Take off your headphones. I well, she can, can still hear, hear me. <laughs> cover your ears. Okay, go for it. Cover your ears. I can't. Look away, Marion. Whatever you do. It's never gonna happen. Whatever it's you do. Shoot, what are you talking? You'll forget. You know You'll what? forget everything. You know what? No, we're not going to spoil it. If you've played Portal 2, it's shooting at the moon. That's it. If you haven't, you don't know what that means. We're moving on. That's fair. Except if, for I'll get there and I'll know. If you, you will shoot, and I will remember. If you shoot the wrong portal at the moon, because that's how portal works. You've got, you know, a, a blue end and an orange end. If you shoot the wrong end at the moon, it will automatically make it the correct one. Because it's literally a snap moment where you have to do something. And yeah. they're like, you know what? If you do this wrong, we're not going to punish you. And, and it's because pretty... you've gotten there and you've figured it yeah. out. And the aiming is pretty general, too. Yes. So there's a lot of, again, features. And it's really interesting how different developers in different styles of games try to adapt these kind of features. And how they have different features to keep players not livid and breaking their controllers. Yeah. I mean, you could almost look at rubber banding sort of as as an anti-frustration feature when you're in the back. Because in, in games like Mario Kart, you will get better items when you're in the back of the pack. The stars at the back of the pack, the blue shells, the bullet bills in more modern games. These are all things mm -hmm. that they have given players so that if you aren't great, you can catch up and be in line again. Yeah. When we were thinking of examples, Nintendo came up a lot. But Nintendo, especially in the last couple generations, have really aimed at being family-friendly more than anything else. And so with that demographic in mind, they want to make sure that everyone can enjoy it. And that's, I think, why it appears more in their games than we think in other things. But I think it appears in different ways in other games. Maybe just not as obviously. And they put in the work. I, I, I'm going to say it again. It, it is a nice sign of the developers putting in the work to make it easier in not necessarily an obnoxious way like i mean sometimes we we joke playing through uh the the super mario 3d when you get the the silver tanuki and you're like oh come on you're going to pity me and it's like okay we need it yeah i was gonna say we 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 are kind <laughs> of get happy when the pity tanuki suits show up yeah. we're like pity tanuki suit <laughs> well that's because our four player coast to coast co-op playthroughs are just a hot mess in general but just another reminder to watch us on Twitch, GWGW Show. Tuesdays, 8.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central. No. 5.30 Pacific. It would be 7.30 Central. <laughs> what does time mean? What's that? Are we done with trope of the day? Trope of the day! <laughs> Move on! Done. That's it. I don't care. We're not, we're not doing it. We're done. That might be the best ending ever. Now that we've finished up this episode's trope, let's talk about the game of the episode. Chris, tell me all about Mario Kart 64. 
Mario Kart 64 was released in 1996 by Nintendo as a follow-up and a sequel to Super Mario Kart for the Super NES. Production began in 95 with the tentative title of Super Mario Kart R, where the R stood for rendered, since they're going to try to do this in uh, 3D graphics. It was attempted to be developed concurrently with Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time as a launch game, but then they ended up kind of dumping more resources into the other two games. So it was really interesting with this game because they wanted to make 3D sprites for the racers, kind of like what uh, Rare had done with Donkey Kong. And they had done a lot of this work, and apparently they had a massive hardware failure on the developer side and lost like 80% of the models that they had done and had to redo them really quickly before they released. And the benefit of that is they redid it, but then in the character select screen that you see, when you select them and they kind of spin around, that wasn't originally supposed to be there, but they just kind of added that because they were like, oh, we've done all this work. Why don't we just add this little bit of extra as long as we're redoing everything anyways? So, you know, I guess something good comes out of, of horrible things that went through the dev. Another fun fact about this game is that they used silicon graphics workstations, which Rare also used for Donkey Kong to do a lot of their 3D rendering. And so at work, there's definitely some silicon graphics workstations that we use still to this day, which just makes me laugh. We definitely mentioned that in the, I believe, Donkey Kong episode. It got cut out. Because that's where I got... Oh, did it? Yes, it did. I'm trying to get this in there because it's interesting to me. So, Kyle, note, you're not allowed to cut that one, apparently. Don't cut this one out! <laughs> I know we brought it up back in Donkey Kong. <laughs> All this work clearly paid off. Mario Kart 64 was the second best-selling Nintendo 64 game, only beaten by Super Mario 64. So, obviously, fans really, really loved it. Uh, it got an 83 out of 100 on Metacritic, so positive reviews across the board pretty much. I think the biggest criticisms that came out of it was that it didn't add a ton versus the SNES game. While it was in 3D, when we're talking about actual game mechanics and we're talking about actual modes, it didn't really build that much. It just made fancier courses, which is awesome. But it was notable just from how long it had been since the first game that maybe they should have developed a bit more in the process. IGN specifically called it multiplayer mayhem at its best, but that the focus on the multiplayer might have pulled away from single player mode and that it was very formulaic to the original Super Mario Kart. So those were kind of the biggest criticisms yeah. it faced. But again, Metacritic still put it at 83 out of 100. So still obviously overall positive scores. More fun facts about the game. This was the first appearance in the kart series of both Wario and Donkey Kong. Uh, they replaced Koopa Troopa and Donkey Kong Jr., which Chris is arguing is Donkey Kong Jr. really different than Donkey Kong, but I feel like that's an argument for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Other staples of really Mario Kart that made their first appearance in this game were the golden mushrooms, any of the triple shell weapons, as well as the blue shell and the banana bunch. So these are staples now that pretty much every Mario Kart game now has and we readily accept, and their first appearance was in Mario Kart 64. They did add the nice feature where if you finished 
behind fifth place or fourth place. Yeah. Instead of losing a life, you just had to do it again. So they got rid of the live system, which was nice because live systems are stupid. And that goes back into that anti-frustration features. They did this so that players would keep playing. But funny thing is, if you somehow manage to get through a whole cup and end up in fourth to eighth place, so you don't podium, your player will sadly watch all the people going up to the podium in the animation and then will drive away and then a bomb comes after it and blows it up. (laughs) Which is amazing. I don't know what that's like because I never finished below third. Bam! (laughs) I was going to say, we only saw it on YouTube, so. (laughs) (laughs) This was also the, uh, they added computer opponents being able to use other items other than a specific item just for them, right? Because in the original, Mario could only use mushrooms and DK Jr. could only use bananas and stuff like that. But interestingly enough, uh, we looked this up and then noticed it as we were playing, they will not shoot shells at you. They never use shells. I don't know if I ever noticed that. Yeah, you don't notice it because you get hit by shells occasionally because they're your own shells. <laughs> <laughs> in later games, of course, the AI definitely use shells because they definitely wreck you with shells. But in apparently Mario Kart 64, no shells were used to attack the player characters, which is kind of interesting. So as much as we want to get into the nitty gritty of the different courses and the different modes of the game, we need to go back and talk about the game before we got a chance to play it again. So Chris, it's time to play that Chiacarina of Time. Here we go. So that music means we are back in the past. And in case you've forgotten, because we tend to forget things, as you can tell from this segment of the podcast, this is when we try to remember a game before we've had a chance to play it in modern times. So we're going to put on the rose-tinted glasses, go over our memories, and uh, see what we thought of the game. So Chris, what do you remember about Mario Kart 64? I remember this game was a lot like, as we said, with GoldenEye, where it was just one of those staples that anyone that had a 64 pretty much had this game. So there was pretty much a 90% chance that you were going to play this game with any or all of the people that were in the house at the time. This was the party party game, I remember, as well. Like, GoldenEye everyone had, but some parents didn't mm-hmm. love it. Like, our parents, you know, my par- our parents weren't the only ones who definitely weren't a fan of the violence. So Mario Kart was the one that just, across the board, everyone accepted, and that was fine. I actually have I have mm-hmm. a, a bunch of memories playing it with a neighbor because he had yeah. all of the systems and he had like the big screen TV in the basement. So I remember playing this game a ton with him and our other neighbor across the street. So we played this game a whole lot. One of my memories of this is funny, playing it at Christmas time with our cousins when they would come down for Christmas and they'd bring their N64 and the whole family would play. And that's, again, this is the kind of game that like you would play with the family. And I remember watching the parents play this game and uh, having our uncle just whip everyone's butt because he played it all the time, apparently. And it's it wasn't a hard game to play, right? Like, it, it wasn't like GoldenEye where if you were bad, it was a disaster. Like... You could be okay and still get by enough to have fun with this game. Yeah, it was a game that you you didn't have to do much to instruct people how to play. It was, this is go, this is how you shoot your weapon, 
have at it. And, and that was that made it really accessible to yeah. anyone who wanted to play of any age, really. And and that's, I think, why it had... It, it, and Mario Kart in general, Mario Kart is a game, I think. Well, Mario Kart 64 is the one of our youth and generations. Youth, you know, that's a game we think of. Every generation in modern generation has a Mario Kart, literally. And everyone just has memories around Mario Kart. It's just that it is that popular game. I actually remember Mario for the SNES... Yeah. Like, I definitely remember playing Mario for the SNES, oh, yeah, which I'm sure, sure we'll talk about at some point. So I remember a, a big difference that kind of threw me off was they didn't have Koopa Troopa, which was my go-to. So I had to go to Toad, which were kind of in the same yeah. class, I guess. Every once in a while, I would go to either Bowser or Wario. Mm. What about you? Yeah, I definitely was a Toad person. If Toad was taken, I'd go to Yoshi for races. But for battle mode, That's fair. I would always do Bowser. Always. Battle mode, I think I actually went Yoshi because it didn't really... The thing with, with the heavier folks is you could knock them out of the way. Yeah. And that wasn't a big deal. I don't know. Producer Lisa, do you remember playing this game? Who was your go-to for Mario Kart 64? My go-to is definitely Yoshi. Yep, me too. But I just like him because he's green. Producer Kyle is, is still... His go-to is still Yoshi as well. To this day. Oh, we found that in Mario Kart 8. <laughs> yeah. He was an orange Yoshi in Mario Kart 8. That is true. I definitely remember battle. I remember actually liking racing a lot more. I still like racing more battle than battle. All the way. No, See, I love you're the wrong. battle modes. I love battle. I like the racing. I like racing a lot more than I like battle. Well, I, but everybody had racing. Racing was not new. I like racing. Battle was unique. Battle was fun just because you could i just felt it was more a direct competition because racing i know it is literally a direct competition but like if they got away from you that was it there was nothing you could do about it battle that just wasn't the case because all the courses you had to go up against each other there were loops you had to encounter each other so i i, I found that a lot of fun so the interesting thing for me and maybe this is just a, a gaming mindset thing is i i had this game friends had this game i played this game all the time I had no idea that this game had a battle mode, I'm pretty sure, just because that is outside of my, my usual style, where I want to be able to control the outcome by how well I do, and not by how well other people mess with me. And, like, the limit to that is dropping a bomb in front of someone rather than the battle mode. Like, that's changed now, but for a long time in racing games, it was, can I be the best racer possible? So I didn't even bother with the battle modes. I like the way you think, producer Kyle. I like screwing with people. <laughs> That's my gaming style. I remember uh, sliding. Power slide. Uh, like th Power this was, slide. This was, this was the first time because the SNES version had the slide, but this was the one where if you slid and did the like uh, wiggly the controller, the dust cloud would turn different colors mm. and do the boost thing. Yeah. So which is definitely prevalent in the in the new ones yes but like they didn't tell you about it in this game or it might have been the manual but again we didn't have a 64 so we we're just kind of trying to figure it out as we went along yeah and this is the one time i will say that the evolution to that stupid horrible controller there was a benefit versus the old system in the sense that the trigger for the weapon was just so much more convenient in my opinion than how it was on the SNES. <laughs> is having the trigger exist 
I think made just more sense logically in my brain. So that was something that's the only time I think that controller actually was smart. Now it's not, I mean, other controllers have trigger keys, but that Z is so iconic of, of the Z yeah. in the middle of the controller. And having that be how you, you know, have your weapon and then that you hold your weapon behind you. And I remember that being like a trick of the trade at first it was like, that's a big thing. Did you thing, know yeah. if you held Z instead of just tapping it, you can hold it behind it like you projects, and, yeah, it protects protect you, yourself. Yeah. Like I was like, I remember learning that the first time and being like, oh, I had no Or is a way to like drop stuff behind you as instead of throwing it in front exactly. of you. Exactly. And, and it was like little tricks like <clears throat> that, that again, this is the, the playground style. You heard it by talking yeah. to other people. You heard it by playing at other people's house and was like, how did you do that? How did you do that? What are you doing? Like, this wasn't something you saw on the internet. It was, it was literally playground style. You talked to people about it and that's how you learned. And speaking of uh, using that to mess with people, the bombs in the Mario, modern Mario games are just bombs, but the bombs in this game looked like the regular item boxes, but they were upside down. So that's you could drop right. One right on top that was, of that's what I was saying. When item. you were saying bombs, I and I always did that because this was a game unlike uh, the SNES version where the items came back. So yeah, you had that inverted. I forgot, and you would always, yeah, you would you would leave it exactly where you pick up the item boxes so people wouldn't pay attention and would run smack into it. And that was the thing is, uh, modern bo bombs, they just go off in like a certain timed one. Those were, they didn't go off yeah. till someone hit it. They were like landmines. Yeah, essentially. <gasps> Toad's turnpike! Oh, I always got hit by the trucks. Oh, the trucks. I remember... I don't know if I remember the music from this game. I don't remember it distinctly. Like I don't. Remember I keep being... remembering the. I keep thinking I'm remembering the music, but I'm pretty sure that's the SNES version. See, I don't think I played the SNES version nearly as much as you did. Yeah. A lot of this is probably us merging memories of different versions of it, but this is the game again that every household. If you had a 64, you had this game. And it was the party game that family yeah. game, friends game, played it with everyone. So now that we have a, I think a pretty good grasp on our memories of the game back then, uh, it's time to get into our rose tinted scores. Uh, the rose tinted score is what we give the game from the past. So what do we think are the young versions of ourselves would have rated the game when we were kids? How do we remember feeling about the game back then and, and remembering now how we feel about it. So what is your rose tinted score, Chris? I mean, my rose tinted score is a nine because it was fun, at least in my memory. What about you? What is your rose tinted score? I have to agree with you. It has to be a nine. It's just, it was a game I don't think anyone got tired of. I never got tired of playing it. You could play it for hours on end. You'd always want to play it every time you went to someone's house and they had the system. So yeah, has to be a nine out of 10. Definitely just a great game. I remember loving it so much. But Chris, now that we are experienced in a lot later versions of the game, we have dealt with a lot different racing games now. What do you think it's going to change your score? What is your predicted score for Mario Kart 64? Based on all of the Mario Kart games that have come since then, I will probably end up dropping the score to a 7.5 because I'm thinking that the mechanics, especially, and this isn't the fault of anything else, I think the controllers are going to be obnoxious because they're so old. Mm -hmm. So between the controls and some goofy stuff of a console that is 
that many years old. I'm going to drop my score to a seven and a half for my projected score. What about you? Now, with all of the knowledge of new games, where are you going to go once we play this game again for your score? I think I'm going to be in your same realm, and I think I'm going to drop it to a seven just because of the later versions of the game and how much they did improve certain things, not counting Double Dash, because Double Dash is something we don't talk about. But, <laughs> and the Wii, yeah, the Wii mode moving. No, but I think yeah. I think that, you know, it, the controller is definitely going to be an impediment of enjoying it. I think the graphics are going to be still great, but I think there's going to be moments you're just going to not enjoy it as much as the later games. So I think it just inherently will drop the score. I do think nostalgia might play a factor, and that might just try to prop that score up later but i'm going to try to say without any nostalgia factors to it, it, it it's going to drop it down to a seven so we've got our scores we think we know what we're going to give it but you know we're wrong 90 percent of the time let's be honest it's true. so i think it's time to head back to the present and see actually how we felt of playing the game go over the specifics of the game so let's play that chi ocarina of time and head back to the present slash future or whatever we're calling it nowadays Yahoo! so we are back from the past very far past i'm pretty sure I, I don't think I realized how far in the past that we had recorded that rose-tinted segment yeah, until so you brought it up. A little bit of how the sausage is made. This was going to be episode 13 originally, and <laughs> other games got kind of shifted around, and we had things come up, so we shifted it. So it's now episode 19, which means we've recorded this back in October. It was long enough where I literally lost all of my notes for this game when we went to go play it again. <laughs> So when we're talking about our rose-tinted thoughts, they're from October 2020, so they're actually really far in the past in comparison to our other episodes. So this is normally when we would talk about the plot of a game. But there's no plot. <laughs> there's not a plot to the game. It's kart racing. You're either Mario or one of his friends or enemies, and you're racing a go-kart. There are four modes to the game. There's Grand Prix versus time trial and battle so grand prix is when you do a set of four races that are predetermined versus is a two-player head-to-head or more because you could no yeah you can do versus for like three and it's just the three of you on a course can you yes you can this is something that i don't remember because obviously we didn't have more than two people so we never tried this out yeah so you said gp is all four races versus mode appears for two players and up obviously it's where you get to play each other in head-to-head for a single race for a single race you can choose whatever race you want the interesting thing about gp is it only is for one player or two one and two players you cannot play grand prix for three or more players correct the system couldn't handle basically ai with more than two players and then time trial was what it sounds like. It is you pick a single course for a single player. There are no items or anything like that. You just get three mushrooms, which are speed boosts in case you live under a rock and don't know what mushrooms do in Mario Kart. And then battle, which is the, the very basic battle where each person has three balloons and you try to knock them out by hitting them with various items and stuff like that. And that could be anywhere between two and four players. 
And the fun part of the battle in this one was when you die, you turn into a bomb and you could run into people. If there's more than two players. If there's more than two players, correct. Yeah, I loved I loved trying to troll and run into and run into people as the bomb. That was one of my favorite parts. Unsurprising to anyone. It was kind of funny when we started playing like four player Mario Kart eight and when you died in battle and you just got more balloons. I was like, wait, I'm not a bomb. I just wanted to run into someone. I just wanted to be a troll. The interesting thing about this is while there were AI again with the Grand Prix, uh, there were no AI in other modes. So you couldn't do a battle mode with AI in this game, which obviously right. in later games you're able to. In this game, there is no AI except for in Grand Prix. It is race or nothing for them. Which absolutely limited the play in our, our second playthrough because... It's really hard to play this game with only two people. Well, it's hard to do battle mode with only two people. It's just not the same. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Some interesting things we talked about are the things that appeared for the first time in Mario 64. I don't think I was aware of how many things existed in Mario 64 that I thought came in later iterations, but I apparently was just not good enough to do in Mario Kart 64. <laughs> so, for example, there are drift boosts and drafting in Mario Kart 64, I don't think I ever did them, ever. Is there actually drafting in 64? Producer Kyle was working on trying to get gold in 150, and he managed to draft. So it absolutely is possible. There is a drafting boost. It's not easy. Okay, I was going to say, it, it, it's not like in the, the Wii and and later versions where it's very very obvious that you're drafting i guess or it's just way harder is it obvious because i didn't know that was a thing in the newer versions yes in the newer versions. yeah if you sit behind someone you could see if you sit behind someone you could kind of see the air coming around your cart yeah so it, it'll literally show air blowing around your cart to say yeah you're drafting and then if you sit there you get a speed boost no wonder i suck yeah mario 64 has it where the clouds it's the same thing where clouds start oh appearing. with the clouds okay yeah and yeah the the drift boost and honestly i could see why you didn't know about the drift boost or or even the drafting because 90 percent of the time we probably played this game was battle mode. in yeah. battle which doesn't matter the drift boosting was way harder in this game. Oh, it was so thought. hard. I tried a couple of times, which I can kind of do it in the more modern games. Not like the significant boost, but I can get like the first level of boost. I would just run off the track every single time I tried to drift boost in Mario Kart 64. It was very crazy. And people in the chat, again, as we're streaming, were like, you should drift boost. I'm like, I would if I could, but I can't. Well, so like in the later mario karts you you would just drift and if you hold that drift eventually it would turn into a boost and typically that's the cloud behind you as it changes color when it gets to a certain color you let go you boost with this one you had to literally waggle the stick back and forth as you were drifting to get that to change which is not intuitive one and two the the drifting was so much harder to control compared to the other ones. Like, this game was so hard to drift in. The clouds still changed colors in a very classic way. 
Yes. Everyone kept saying, look for the E's, because if you watch, little E's start coming out the back. Or they look like E's. I think the clouds are shaped well, like they're, Yeah, they're just, they're just bigger um, dust clouds that look like E's. But yeah, it's those are things that were in this game that I don't think I had any knowledge of whatsoever before playing in this modern era. I thought they definitely were added in later games. Had no idea that it was as early as 64. But of course, other things that are just classics of the Kart series, especially Mario Kart, there are the weapons. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have all the standards. As we said, they added a bunch of new weapons in this particular game. The other uh, weapon that they added that I didn't mention earlier were the fake item boxes, which I want to say this is one of the few games that had that. I don't know how many games had, because that is not something that has lasted into new games, are the fake item boxes. No, they've, yeah, they've, they've added other things. Well... And this is the one where they actually had item boxes that came back. Because yes. in, in the SNES version, sorry, the SNES version, because apparently people get mad when I say SNES. Why? Because it's stupid. Wrong! In the SNES version, you got items through those, like, almost bricks on the ground. And yes. once you ran over one, you couldn't get it the next lap. So you only had a very limited amount. Oh, that's true. And in this one, you had maybe four to six at a given point in the track, and you would grab it, and then it would regenerate maybe like 10 seconds later. And yet I still missed them all the time. Oh, I did too. All the time. But those are just the classics that come with these kart games in general, but Mario Kart in particular. We talked about in the rows how holding the trigger, the Z with the weapon, is something that came about in this game as well. So part of the game as well is not only using your weapons in a timely manner, and but also taking advantage of the defense that the weapons really offered you more than just attack. And it's super funny because I, I noticed this in, in your playthrough that I watched and I realized I did the same thing. Like you would get a shell or a, a banana and you would just leave it behind you mm -hmm. rather than just keeping it and that was uh, to keep you from getting hit by yeah. like a red shell or something like that but as you said earlier the enemies didn't throw shells at you so they just ran do... into you a lot yeah which which was helpful but the rubber banding in this game involved just pure speed as yeah. opposed to like Mario Kart for the Wii Mario Kart for the Wii U and the Switch where they would just keep people behind you so many items to just wreck you. So you yeah. needed that defense. In this one, it was really interesting because the way, since they didn't have all of those crazy items, they just made the computers faster yeah. and obnoxiously able to catch up with you. Yeah, and I definitely had a lot of moments where I was like, there is no way that donkey kong can catch up to me right now it's not fair we're on a pure straightaway and he's somehow faster than me and i'm playing as toad so i should be faster than him and that was really really frustrating at times yeah the the rubber banding in this game was was, was awful like at least in the later games you could kind of deal with it with again that defense of of a shell or something like that but because they used the speed for rubber banding. It was it was rough. Like, yeah. It was incredibly frustrating. It's interesting, too, because, again, in later games, and we keep comparing this to the later iterations of the game, and I think it's just going to happen with this kind of game of how many generations of it have we played at this point, so we can't help but compare it to the newer versions. And we have played Mario Kart 8 in the Coast to Coast co-op. We have, actually, quite, quite frequently. a bit. Yeah. Uh, but a thing that someone pointed out to me on the stream and was a good point is 
blue shells appeared very occasionally in in, in 64. Yeah. In later iterations, they are just like candy sometimes. All the time. Everyone yeah. has blue shells all the time. A star was a much more often item that I would get when I was losing by a lot than the blue shell. Yeah. Well, because they didn't, yeah, they didn't have a lot of mechanics to get you back up there. Yeah. Like, and there wasn't as many items, I think, in, in the 64 maps. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that the, the maps for Mario Kart 64 there was a lot of places where you could actually take shortcuts. Yeah. Because that so was a thing. let's get into the courses. We kind yeah. of went over them in the rose-tinted section, and we talked about it. Of There was definitely on Wario Stadium, you can jump over a wall. Right at the beginning, yeah. Right at the beginning. And Donkey Kong, you can go up kind of the side hill area, which I kept doing in my playthrough. Yeah. And um, the... Koopa Beach, there was a yes. ramp that you could go through a tunnel if you had... Most of these were if you had a mushroom, yeah. you could skip through a certain area. And you timed it well. And that was kind of thing. It was a yeah. benefit. It was an advantage of timing and knowing that these things happened. And so that was really interesting with these courses. We talked about Toad's Turnpike. <laughs> it is still my least favorite course. And producer Kyle and I got the like you if you gold all 150 cc grand prix mm. you get extra mode which is mirror courses so they Ugh. mirror every course which is kind of weird again there's i'd forgotten about that i realize i'm i remember way more of these courses than i kind of thought when i was turning the wrong way on the mirror course it's like <laughs> oh i'm not going that way but more specifically the one that they did more than just mirror was Toad's Turnpike, they reversed the traffic. So on the regular version, you're they're going in the same direction oh, you are. Yeah. In the mirror course, they're coming at you. Do you know how freaking hard it is? I mean, I know how well you drive in, in racing games, so I imagine it was probably fine. Attacked. <laughs> and the reason we realized, because... Everyone kept calling it reverse courses. And I was like, these don't feel reversed. And the reason we figured out is the signs were actually mirrored. The words were all backwards, which is kind of funny. Huh. They literally just flipped the graphics. Except for Toad's Turnpike, where they had the cars coming at your face. and they're That is interesting, because that is a deliberate choice to, to do that, rather than just yeah. flip everything. Yeah, just be awful. Awful. Also, I think we should talk about how we were talking about shortcuts, and there are two different types of shortcuts, right? There are ones that just happen to work with a mushroom yeah. in the right place, and the shortcuts that they give you, like the the ramp in yes. in Koopa Beach or things like that. But the Wario, the the DK one, are not necessarily ones that they intended for you to be able to do. We didn't do this earlier, but I'll do it right now. The speed run for all cups with skips, which I'm not sure exactly what that means. I'm assuming oh, that's like the, the Wario, the Wario yeah. skips and yeah. Was the not intended shortcuts. In real time versus in game time, there's two different stats, which is hilarious. In <laughs> real time, it took 23 minutes, 52 seconds, and it was set two weeks ago from recording. Again, that's all cups. The, people are still figuring out little glitches here and there with these yeah. games, which is incredibly neat. The All Cups No Skips record was set nine months ago as of recording, and that was 38 minutes, 33 seconds in real time versus 31 minutes, 25 seconds in game time. So crazy. That is interesting. But yeah, no, there's still tricks. Like those kind of tricks. I remember 
I was so proud on my very recent playthrough that I was able to do the Wario cheat jump over yes. the wall. And I was like, yes, I remembered it and I accomplished it. This is a win. That's one of those where if you don't do it correctly, you just set yourself back. Oh, you're ton. doomed. You're doomed if you do it wrong. Well, and there's and this is the game. I, I don't think as much in the newer games that they had this where there were spots where if you fell off, you set yourself back like half the course. Yeah. Oh. Like in Wario, oh, if you yeah. you could set up, you could put stuff. There's a big ramp that went over another part of the track. And if you messed up that jump, you would fall onto the track that was, you know, 15, 20 seconds behind you. I think I watched you on stream fall off and like Choco Mountain. Yeah, I was going to say that happened to me on Choco Mountain. And I was yeah. so pissed because I <laughs> fell off. And then it, it put me back to like eighth place in the last lap. And I was like, nope, I'm done. Ugh. Like, it just, I was, oh, God, it hurt. Of course, then there's always the fall, literally fall off the course and like who will yeah. pull you up, which I kept doing on the Boo Haunted House course because it was so mm. dark I couldn't tell where the corners were. <laughs> so I was driving off of corners. I remember falling off on the uh, Yoshi's Yoshi Valley course, yes. which is the one where there's no, it's like multiple ways that you could go. And, and so they it don't tell you what place you're you in. Are. And yeah. it doesn't tell you what place you're in, which I thought was really clever. But if you fell off, it would take so long to hit the bottom. It took a while. It, it, instead of just like, you fall off, you go into the water, like two seconds later, you get picked up and you're thrown back on the track. This one, it would take you like a good five seconds to tumble down the side of the track. Yeah. And then you would have to get picked up. But it's just like, I don't know where I am in this track. I don't know who's in front of me. And it just took me 10 seconds to get back on the track. Thanks for wasting my time. That that was a frustrating course. Oh, yeah. And you would still spin out like you would at the beginning of the race if you're holding A when you got dropped back on. The oh, race, yeah. I did all the time. <laughs> it's interesting because, again, going back to like Mario Kart 8 that we played all the time, the courses are slightly different, especially Yoshi Valley. Like, you know, I had kind of a feel for that course in Mario Kart 8. And then when we went back to 64 to play it for this playthrough, I was like, well, all of that's wrong. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Another funny thing is on stream, we talked about how in Mario Kart 8 and in the more modern Mario Kart games, they would revamp these old courses and put them back in. So like you're saying, they put Yoshi Valley in, but might have changed some of the courses. They also yeah. like nerfed Toad's Turnpike by being able to go up the walls and stuff, which is ridiculous. Is it a nerf or is it an anti-frustration feature? I mean, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is because there were times on in 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 a non-anti-frustration feature that I would get hit by one car and as soon as I recovered I'd get hit by another car and then another car yeah. and it's just like let me live and that happened to me also on the desert track where the train would hit you and you'd get caught like two or three times because the train's still going by and you're just like please 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 the game. train was interesting because I'm trying to think of another example of where you would literally have to stop in a Mario Kart game. So you're you're on this course and there's a train crossing and if a train is there, you have to slam on the brakes and wait for the train to go. I don't know if that's in any other game. I don't know either. And that kind of reminds me of the fact that and maybe I'm wrong and I and sure we can be called out for this if I am wrong, 
But I don't think in later games that when you got hit by an item or when you ran into things, you exploded to quite the extent you did in 64. You flew through the air and tumbled a couple times. I feel like in more modern games, you kind of just spun out a little bit. I feel like we wasted way more time in this game when I would like hit a snowman by accident and oh, I would just yeah. tumble for like five seconds. And it was like, really? It's just a snowman. And there was, it felt like there were a ton more obstacles. Like yeah. in Bowser's Castle, there were the thwomps, as you said. And, and, in, in the and, ice level, there were the snowmans. There was the, and the, the bats. The penguins. The and penguins, the yeah. And in Moomoo Farm, the gophers. They oh, came out of the gosh. ground. Like, there were a lot of things that just got in your way, and they, and they exploded you every single time you just flew yeah. into the air. You just flew into the air or got thrown back and, and sent. It, it, it was it was a rough game. Yeah. Which, <laughs> and in another interesting proof of how good of a driver I clearly was as a child, I was watching producer Kyle play, and a little, like, music note appeared behind him at one point. And I was like, what was that? I was going to ask you about this because I didn't know if you remembered this. Yeah, I didn't remember this. And it was when you're able to save yourself from like hitting a banana. If you hit break at the right time, you can save yourself. And a little music note appears behind you. And I was like, what? Yes. What? I, had never I was seen watching it. your playthrough and I was like, does she remember this? No, no, I didn't. Because I, I definitely remember because it was, it almost became a detriment to me because any time that I almost hit a banana, I would just slam on the break. Yeah. Which is not the best idea, but yeah, but yeah, yeah it was it was interesting. If you hit all. a banana and you didn't immediately spin out, you would kind of you would start to fishtail, and and if you, as you said, hold the brake button, you would give like a I, I think Toad because Toad is the person that I always play. And it would just go okay, and yeah, show that note, and you were good to go, which I think they got rid of going forward, right? That wasn't a thing in any of the other games. I don't remember it for sure. Uh, but again, clearly I wasn't a good enough driver to do it. So I'm not <laughs> the best person to ask about that. But I think part of the anti-frustration comes in there because even though I wasn't the best driver, I'm not great at it. I was still able to beat all four cups in 100cc in one yeah. sitting. And that's saying something of I was able to just sit there and in under two hours I was be able to beat all four cups with trophies not gold necessarily but with trophies mm -hmm. and and that is I think a testament to the fact that there were these anti-frustration features involved and that they were trying to make you win as much as possible on the flip side the the other part of that is once you did that what else is there to do in this game it is a very short game again yeah. This is the multiplayer is king for this game, for yeah. sure. They put all their time and investment in the multiplayer mode, which, again, unfortunately, we played a little bit of battle mode, but it's just not the same when it's just two of you. No, it's really hard with two. Though we, it, it does bring up an important point of when we talked about screen peeking and how that's cheating in GoldenEye and all <laughs> of that. In racing, in theory, screen peeking doesn't make as much of a difference because they're ahead of you or the behind you like what are you gonna do not in, in battle in battle mode especially in the block four which are the four different color blocks yeah screen peeking was i did it all the time i'm not gonna lie I did it all the time because i'd be like oh they're over in red gotta go to red gotta go to red it's 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 instantly identifiable where the other people are 
Exactly. And that was such a crucial thing. And that, and again, battle mode was pretty much all I remember playing as a kid when we put, went to friend's house and how much fun. And we would cry from laughter because we were having so much fun and how ridiculous it was. Even when it was just two of us, it was still fun. And I can, yeah. I could tell if I had a group of people, because when the world opens up again, I would love to play this with more than one other person. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. It's, the battle is way more accessible and more fun than yeah. than just versus because yeah. versus is just it's one track at a time. It's not like the newer ones where you could set like a bunch, and like GP is only two player. This is definitely a a, a very limited game outside of a party setting. Yeah, and that's fine but you can see why people said the focus was clearly on a, on a multiplayer game yeah and i don't remember getting tired of the fact there were only four different courses which is kind of crazy and only one game battle mode in modern games there are multiple right. battle modes there's only one battle mode and yet i didn't care well which shows... there wasn't a lot to do at the time no well, and, fair enough you know, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that's the point is it was just so it was so much fun, and I think, again, while, you know, Mario Kart 64 might not be a complete go-to anymore because we have the modern versions, you have Mario Kart 8 if you have a Switch, mm-hmm. you know, it still is a lot of fun. But I think it's time, then, for our scores, because we are talking about how much we liked it. So, Chris, what is your final score for Mario Kart 64? I liked playing it, but it is incredibly shallow, especially if you don't have a ton of friends to come over and play it, which is hard you know, right now. So based on that, I'm going to give it a six and a half. Like it's designed well, but there's just no longevity. Like there's some challenge going from 50 to hundred to 150 CC, which I don't know if we necessarily explain. There's three essentially modes of how fast you go, how fast you go, which means it's hard to control. The, uh, the computer is faster. But it's just the same courses, and then maybe the the mirror courses you brought up earlier. I just don't think it has the longevity outside of a four-player party setting. Sure. Six and a half is not bad. I enjoyed it. I just, it's not something that I would go back to by myself. What about you? What What would you give it? I agree with a lot of your points. I think that the longevity of it is limited, and I think that it really isn't a great single-player game. It is meant to be a multiplayer game, but because I can still see how much fun that multiplayer still is to this day, I'm going to give it a a 7.5. I'm going to give it a little bit more credit than you, that I can see the positives of multiplayer, even if right now, dating ourselves of when this episode's coming out, we still can't see a ton of people. Um... (laughs) But I, I I think also part of that is trying to play it on old hardware. This is a game that yeah. definitely suffers from old controllers. If you're playing original hardware, old controllers and the and the graphics don't, they don't hold up. Don't they, hold they up. They don't hold up. <laughs> but like I don't mind that as much as again the way that the 64 controller is mechanized is awful. and because they're they're just aging so much. It's a hard play game to play right now, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm judging it as I played it. Which you're right supposed now. to. That's what you're supposed to do. You're doing your job. But I think at the end I, of the day, I had fun with it, but right. I just and I think at the end of the day we would still say if you have an ability to play the original, go for it. But you can also just play Mario Kart eight and have fun with it. Yes. I, I think the newer versions have added a lot and are a lot more accessible and 
You could play online with a bunch of people. You could play with up to eight people locally. Bring back you... Blockfort, though. That is a great point, yeah. Because that was one of my favorite courses ever, and I it's not in Mario Kart 8. Bring back Blockfort, please, Nintendo. Bring back Blockfort. That's my final conclusion of this episode. Thank you for joining us. Next episode is another big one. It is episode number 20, 20, 20, 20. Hey. No, that was last year. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, but because <laughs> it's another big episode, we are bringing back the special episodes. It's time for Final Fantasy 3. The original. Final Fantasy, the third time. <laughs> the original, though. The not, third final. Not Final Fantasy six. Final Fantasy three. The not original Final it. Fantasy three. The original Final Fantasy three. So that's our upcoming episode. So there won't be a Rose segment next episode as the reminder on that. It's just going to be us talking about the game. Should be a lot of fun. Join us for that one coming up. Otherwise, you can also join us over on Twitch, as we always remind you, over at GWGW Show. We'll be playing all these games, and you can see what comes up maybe after Final Fantasy 3. So you'll see what upcoming episodes we're going to be doing, and you can chat with us. It's a good time generally you could you could come hang out we got a, a fairly solid core of people that like to hang out when we stream typically you could find all four of us that is katie and i and producer lisa and producer kyle you could also find us on instagram twitter facebook gwgw show games we grew up with you could find podcast episodes on spotify apple android blueberry all your favorite platforms yep. give us a subscribe give yeah. us a review big thanks to all our viewers and listeners that we've had so far big thanks to our producers we couldn't do this without you guys so thank you very much everybody thank you for listening we look forward to the next episode so say goodbye chris goodbye chris bye everyone congratulations mamma mia all right, keep I talking. Did... Sorry. Can yes, we take I... a quick break? Because yes. I'm full of coffee. Go. As we talked about, you'd make a great housewife. I'd be a great housewife. Duh. <laughs> <laughs>